0: The Barwon Heads Football and Netball Club and the Beach House at Barwon Heads are very proud to bring you episode 7 of The Tree on the Wing. In 1962, a kid from Ocean Grove came down to play junior footy at Barwon Heads. In those days, the old OG didn't have a team, so a 14-year-old named Alan Fry began a playing career that would last until he was 42. Before it was done, Alan had played in three consecutive first grade premierships with his brothers Jeff and John. Coached and played in a reserves premiership, been president of the club, senior coach and reserves coach all at once. Become the club's games record holder and was also the Ballerine Football League's games record holder, holding the distinction of being the first player to play 300 senior games in the league. He is the brother of two premiership players, the father of a premiership player, the grandfather of a premiership player and a premiership player himself a member of a family with four generations of involvement in the club, there is no more apt person to wear the label of Mr. Bowen Heads than Alan Fry. He's a seasoned storyteller and has a terrific memory for names and places, so his recollections of the past time in the club's history are still sharp and he has some very entertaining tales from his days as a player, coach and president. We caught up with Alan at the Beach House in Barwon Heads and we went through a fraction of the story that he has to tell. I can feel a sequel coming on. We hope that you will enjoy the many tales of Alan Fry. We're recording. Hello everybody and welcome to The Tree on the Wing. I'm Teddy Donnell and I'm at the Beach House in Barwon Heads and I'm joined as usual by my co-host and good mate, Russell Nipper-Highland. How are you, Nipper?
1: Very well, thank you, Teddy, and good evening, listeners, wherever you are in this big wide world of ours.
0: As we've mentioned a couple of times, we do have a number of international listeners. One of them was me recently, I thought I'd give it a crack while I was overseas and uh, it came through loud and clear, so it's a a worldwide phenomenon, the tree on the Wing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now we are joined by a very special guest this evening and he's pretty high on the list of people we had to get and uh, so we've gone out and got him. He probably doesn't need an introduction, but I'll just run through his resume as a person of oh. interest at the Baron Heads Footy Club. Oh. He's a life member of the Barland Heads Footy Club. Uh, he's the club games record holder. Mm, as games. far as we know, he's the only person at the Barland Heads Footy Club to have played 300 senior games of football. Yes. There are probably a few netballers who have. Yeah. He's a former Ballerine Football League games record holder. Mm. He is a former president of the club. He's a former sponsor. Mm. He was three times a senior premiership player. Wow. And he was once, only one time, a reserves premiership player.
1: Hey, I'm in royalty. I've got two reserves premiership coaches in front of me.
0: And he coached a reserves (laughs) premiership. That's right. He is the son of a life member. Mm. He is the brother of a Ballerine Football League best and fairest winner. Mm. And that same brother, Jeff, also won a a best of field in the grand final. Hmm. Uh, His brothers, John and Jeff, played in premierships.
1: That's pretty special. Three brothers in a premiership side.
0: His son, Adam, played in a premiership. Wow. His father was instrumental in the formation of the Ballarat Football League. Uh, His grandson and his granddaughter both play football for Bowen Heads, making four generations of people who played for Bowen Heads. He's pretty much royalty in the footy club. And if he was the king, he'd be the king of bling. He's also <laughs> a member of the court of the Heads Football Club, and would be the jester in that court. His name's Ellen Fry. Ellen, welcome
2: to the Tree on the Wing. Good evening, uh, Teddy, and good evening, Nipper. You uh, you're left out, you're
1: out modesty. He's pretty modest sort of a Very modest sort of a fellow. And and there's
0: no place for modesty at the Tree on the Wing.
2: No, there's not.
0: We don't. We don't go with it,
2: Nipper. We want to hear how good you were. Oh, well, now at my age, I was a lot better Um, actually now after I can retell a few stories and uh, people who've got Alzheimer's now won't be able to contradict me, so little known fact was, you know, that I was probably the best kick down there at Bowen Heads through the years because I could kick it to four blokes and one bloke would always get it, not necessarily the bloke I was aiming at, but (laughs) made me the best kick going.
0: Well, you had to be a good kick because the other way of disposing of the footy, you weren't very fond of. <laughs> you
2: didn't learn to handball, did you? Oh, only to Jackie Evans. Yeah. Only to
0: Jackie Evans? Yeah. Why? Oh, because we had Cause a... Because you couldn't kick right I'll foot. I'll bring the subject up <laughs> later because uh, we
2: had a competition going between us, so I fed Robbie Petho uh, a few of them as well. All
0: right. <laughs> now, Alan, Petho. before we get too far into it, we need to talk about the homework you were given. Now, I'm sure that Russell told you that we have an icebreaker here, and it's called Two Truths and a Lie. And the idea of the game is that you tell us three things about yourself, one of which is not true and the other two are true. But the one that isn't true can't be I oh, landed on the moon with Neil Armstrong, even though you'd probably try and sell that. It has to be something that could be true.
2: No, well I had to put a lot of thought into this and I've come up with three. Really, theres I'll give you the uh, small version first and if you want me to uh, then expand on them I will. But I once beat Timmy Zula in a beach race from Point Lonsdale back to the the mouth of Barnheads River. I also will refer back to what we were talking about a minute ago with Jack Evans and myself. And over not one season, but over our career, we used to have a little side bet uh, about um, who was going to kick the most amount of goals by the time we'd finished our careers. Jack kicked one, I kicked three over my career. (laughs) Another little known fact which you failed to mention, was uh, that I was actually the club uh, coach at the same time as reserves coach, and that's a little-known fact. So there's the three that you can choose from. Uh, if you want me to expand on any of those after you ch- make your choice, <coughs> I'll, I'll do so. All right.
0: So mm. the first question we always ask okay. of all of our guests, because it's an important one, it usually just takes us away and we don't have to ask too many questions. How did you end up at the Bowen Heads Football Club?
2: Well, it started off uh, at the age of 14, actually, back in 1962. And in those days, Ocean Grove didn't have a football site of any description at all, and it was Bowen Heads, Ocean Grove combined. And I came over here as a 14-year-old to play junior football, and I spent one year in the under-15s, And then went up into the under-18s and played two seasons in the under-18s. And then I think my first senior game was at 17. Um, And getting back to the name of your podcast, in those days the juniors uh, would be playing at the away ground where the seniors would be playing at your home ground and then vice versa. So we used to uh, get the bus when we had finished our game, come back to watch the seniors and we'd all climb up in the tree and that was our grandstand and we'd sit up there for the day and someone used to have to go do the errands of getting the pies and the cans of drinks and so forth and so on but that became our official grandstand. So that's a bit of a history on that uh, particular tree. It's quite famous really. Who
1: was uh, running around in the juniors with you at that stage? Was there some... Was there a was there a tight knit bunch that continued
2: on through the club? Or? Well, there was me uh, older brother because Jeff was fifteen at yep. that stage, but still eligible to play uh, in the in the juniors. Yep. I think there was people like Terry Lindsay oh, yeah, and yep. uh, Terry Lindsay. you know these sorts of blokes. Uh, might have been Macapiste, uh, Simon Lunt, I yep. think. Yeah, but you're testing my your memory out there a bit, mate. Marshy around then? No, Marshy was a bit... Uh, he was two years younger, so oh, he no. was sort of not yet playing, um, you know, is the... The rumour is he's
0: still two years younger.
2: The, the rumour is actually correct. Um, <laughs> and Marshy's struggling a bit health-wise, but he's starting to come good, and... Uh, That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, uh, I had lunch with him last Sunday, and he's slowly getting over all these problems he's had for quite a few years, so... But then when you... Uh, sort of progressed up into the the next level, which was the under-16s, or under-18s, I should say. We had, didn't have any clubhouse in those days. We had a laundry toilet system down, like showers down the south end of the ground, which was ours, and up the north end of the ground, <coughs> the other laundry was the away... The opposition. Uh, opposition's rooms. And up behind was. the netball courts there somewhere. Well, where the netball, courts, yeah. the netball courts weren't there in those yeah. days was just the laundry uh, and you know showers sort of thing so it was a few years after that before they even started doing a proper clubhouse
1: do you you remember a tent of some description being there as a sort of club room (coughs) or anything like
2: that it might have been a temporary thing yeah whilst we were getting the the new rooms yeah organized i mean i can still remember you know carting bricks and timber and because it was a big effort mostly volunteer effort and using people around the town yeah. or, you know, whatever the skills were around the town. But pretty much it was, uh, you know, players and volunteers and club people that were, you know, that virtually built it.
1: Yeah, physically put the bricks and mortar together. That bureaucracy today and the councils and that sort of thing don't allow that to happen.
2: Which is no, showing... well, this is true. And, and the original design was built because, as both of you would remember <clears throat> back in those days... And went on for many and many a year. There was still that thing hanging over our heads about the foreshore, one of the ground, and yeah, yep. and so they purposely built the first part of it, which was the actual changing yeah, rooms and the yep. toilet system, so that if it ever came about that we had to move off the ground, it uh, was useful. To we them. could use it as a, a bargaining chip to, yeah. to turn it into a camp facility and yeah, yep. maybe get some sort of money for it and so forth. And then we put that extension on. Which became the you know, the bar, the lounge or whatever. Round
0: you know, about what sort of time frame is that, Al? What year? I gave
2: it some thought the other day, Teddy, and I couldn't really pinpoint it, but it would have been I would think probably getting up into the late sixties. The best guess probably 65, 66. Uh, I mean don't quite me on that, but on you know, that's the sort of era that. And that's just out.
0: that's just the two change rooms. It's not the not the social rooms that we had later on. No,
2: the social rooms come a little bit later, but yeah. not. I mean, it wasn't a big uh, time difference. I yeah, think I it might have been just within not, not being there uh, eighteen months or whatever <laughs> to do the. Yep. I can remember the boys laying the floors and all that sort of thing. So, but that would have been getting into the to the later uh, to the middle late sixties. And was your dad there then? Yeah, dad had come and was um, at that stage. I'm not sure whether he was uh, secretary, but he became secretary certainly when the. The Ballerine was formed. Did he play footy
0: at Ballerine? No, he
2: never played football. He never played at all? Never played at all. Dad was pretty much too old to play football in those days. But, you know, and it's down to people like my father and the Billy Watsons and the, you know, the uh, Tippy Bly and, you know, all those people from that era that progressed the club on. And I was quite proud in the fact, and I have passed on to the club, a photograph at the unfurling of the 72 um, grand final winning flag. That, um, that photo used to be up in the rooms with everyone it was, standing under the flag. But it was the only photo that I could ever discover that had the three men in it that started the ballerine league off. Oh, and that yeah. was uh, Dad, uh, or Vern Fry. Uh, it was Ray Menzies from Ocean Grove and Les Ash from yeah, Leopold. And yep. everyone knows that Les Ash's medal is the yes. the league's uh, best and fairest. Yes, uh, And they sat around uh, a table and they virtually come up with that concept because it, up until then, we were playing in a league called the Evelyn Hurst League. Ocean Grove, who finally formed their sides in the, the late 60s, they were playing what they used to call, I think, the Polworth. Polworth and, and the Woolworth. And think, the Woolworth, something like that, yeah. Well,
0: Barland had played in Polworth as well, because well, yeah. I think one of our premiers... It
2: changed. Team. There was a Polworth and yeah. then it was a an Neville and Hurst, yeah. and it changed a little bit as it evolved and, and came about. And uh, the first year that the Ballerine was formed, I think, was 1970?
1: 71.
2: No, it actually was oh, formed form in said, 1970. Yep. Yep. The yep. first playing season was 71, yep. where we went through the whole season undefeated and then lost both, both Finals. finals. Wow. Well, then we went 72, 73, 73 talk, grand talk finals. A beat winch in the yeah. grand finals, Yeah. But we, we went through un, un, undefeated that season and then just for some unknown godforsaken reason we fell apart in the two finals.
0: Was that a team that had been building up over a period of time or did we attract a lot of players because of the, the creation of a new well, league? Well,
2: probably a little bit of both but the nucleus of that side stayed together you know, over that four or five years, and there was a lot of brothers actually playing. You yeah. know, there was me and the, my two brothers. Uh, there was the Lindsay brothers, the Watsons brothers. There was, you know, I think there was uh, four or five sets of brothers that were in it. Mm. And we were a bit of a mosquito fleet, I suppose. But because yeah, there's not we...
0: any real big, real big blokes even in those photos. Not any real no. huge blokes in those. I photos. mean,
2: actually, one of our ruckmen, a fellow called Johnny Gray. Yes. or oh, yeah. affectionately known as Pecky, Pecky. Yep. and he was only... He had a big leap. I remember he yeah, was a kid, he, he had a massive leap. Look, he wouldn't have been any more than six two, six. you know? Collingwood six-footer, I suppose, but a great ruckman. And then, of course, the big brother, Jeff. So, yeah, it, you know, we weren't endowed with a, a lot of big fellows, but we had just gelled and had a nice team that held together for, you know, quite a lot of years. Yeah. Who
1: there coached a, in that
2: first year? The first year would have been... Phil Mullins, I think it was, who's yeah. now, or was, he's now with the Sydney Football Sydney, Club. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was instrumental in getting Lockett up there yeah. at the time, yeah. and he's still a football club manager for a, yeah. quite a few, uh, and mentor to a quite a few of the Sydney blokes.
0: Basically, up until, or right through until 73 for 2 three, four, you played all your footy at Barnheads. Oh, oh Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: I'd gone into... Just,
0: you were 14 when you first came, so yeah. that's a bit old, isn't it, to be starting to play
2: <laughs> footy? Oh, look, I mean, you know, we had kicks around as kids, but, yeah, yeah. you know, because we'd come down from Melbourne when I was sort of 11 or 12...
0: Yeah, yeah that's the same um, as me. Where, where were you in Melbourne?
2: We lived in Essendon. Oh, okay. Uh, and my father was transferred down to Geelong with his work, and that's yep. how we come down to Liberty Ocean Grove, but yep. up until then it was just uh, kicking footy around the paddock, you know, yep. until we sort of got... Fair dinkum about it, you know. So yeah, look, it's just um, I think the only break I had from Bowen heads was in the very late '60s, about '68, '69, I suppose it was. There was me and a chooky, the big brother. We went into and played in the old VFA uh, in Geelong West. Uh, I think Jeff was about a season and a half. I played there. And then got homesick for Bowen Heads. Jeff was quite an accomplished and a, you know pretty much permanent player for a while. Phil Stringer was in there at that stage. Oh, yeah. But what really changed my mind and came back was because Bowen Heads was such a social club, and my wife, who had grown up with all those girls, and you know they'd formed a, a good band of friends and so forth. And whenever you went to any of the social do's, at along West they were very very clicky and the wife just felt out of it. She just hated it. She just couldn't get yeah, yes. into it and she just didn't refuse to come and that sort of spoiled it a bit for me as well. It
1: would have been hard too you would have been playing on Sundays.
2: Well that was another thing too, you play on the Sunday and you had to go to work on the Mondays. Yeah, it was not, you know, and, not and every second do, week in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah every second week in Melbourne. Yeah. 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 But look, the VFA in those days was a completely different kettle of fish because they only had sixteen aside. No you got a lot of you got away with a lot more than what you did in, you know, well, you eighteen person. Wasn't spot on, or you just
0: Gary? No, the because the it was, one it was
2: yeah. There was one umpire and there was behind a lot of the... A lot
0: of swinging arms. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I made the mistake one day against Port Melbourne and took on Buster Harland, who was pretty much a legend at yeah. Port Melbourne. Yep. He snorted me and I snodded him back, and then it rolled over onto the over the boundary line. I was then getting the hell beaten out of me by these women with umbrellas, I and I was getting <laughs> Be beer bottles. Oh, yeah, and they're <laughs> spitting on you, and you know, so it wasn't the best uh, bloke to attack. No, but they were
0: the Geelong West women. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah exactly. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, um, and then as I said, the reason I came back to Baron is because I, I really did just miss the social side of it, and we were always known as a really good close social club and if you know the old saying happy wife happy life and all the girls to this day are still all very yeah, very good I was going to say
0: friends. those those friendships that you've got you you had with those blokes marshy and chucky and Jackie Evans and Jackie like, Evans, Jackie and, and, Jackie and, Evans and, and, and the, and the big brother
2: and and we 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 only lost one we we've, we've got a a bit of a group now that revolves around about eight couples where we we get together three times a year, just have a little luncheon thing. There's one coming up next week, I think, actually. And one weekend a year, we just go away for just a weekend and and hang out together. Unfortunately, we've lost one of our members, which was little Charlie Domenico. We thought we'd lost Joe a couple of times, but he's still hanging in there. And it's good to keep... You see, we've been doing that situation for... It would be getting up to 44 years now, I guess. That we've so been, yeah, that we've been sort of having these little yeah. reunions and keeping a close association with each other.
1: Ed, did, um, how did Charlie D. Domenico end up coming down to Bowen Heads?
2: I really am not 100% sure on that, to be totally honest with you. I actually played school football with his brother, but he come down here with a mate of his. Can't really tell you, we've become very, very close friends, you know, we were almost uh, brothers in that. Situation um, as well, and he was a grand bloke. Started to
0: look lot in there.
2: Yeah. Started to very look like a very like. I mean, there's a few blokes still come with a wog. <laughs> and then, of course, Charlie's uh, son came down here, and he played in a grand Friendship final side side with too. With your son,
0: hmm.
2: yeah, exactly.
0: Flea. Well, flea. Where did you go to school, Al?
2: I come down from um, Melbourne just after primary school, and. I went to the old uh, East Geelong Tech. Oh yeah. Um, left there when I was sixteen at school because um, wasn't the best of students.
0: I was going to say you played over three hundred games of footy. I bet you that's more than times you went to school.
2: <laughs> well, that's probably true. Um, someone asked me the other day, and I was between the between the there was over three hundred uh, senior games, and then there was you know of course the. Uh, with the, with the reserves and I'd lost count about four twenty five somewhere, so it was about somewhere between four twenty five and four thirty. And then with my two brothers and young Adam, son, you could calculate it's in the north side of a thousand games. A lot of
1: games, yeah. North side of yeah, a thousand how, games. How old were you when you gave
2: it away? Forty two. <laughs> Forty two yeah. when I gave it away. And I look to be honest with you, I I kept playing till then, because it was my greatest desire to play a season with young Adam.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Young Adam. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, to play with my son, which I I've, I achieved uh, a season with him, and, and in, in a lot of respects on a different scale, but on a lot of uh, <coughs> um, scales, it was probably as big as some of the grand final wins we had. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to be able to play with your son. It's
0: a very special and rare achievement. It's a, it's a great thing to have a good day on the field for yourself. But to be out there with your son and see your son have a great good a big day thrill. on the field. It's a thrill. It's a bigger thrill. You just get that excited. Mind you,
2: I don't tell him that. I told him that it ruined my footy career. Yeah, yeah he
0: held you back. <clears> well, now.
2: <clears throat> no, because I said all I could hear was, you know, Adam on the other side of the field going, kick it to me, Dad, kick it to me, Dad. Here, <laughs> I'm over here, Dad. So, <laughs> Yeah. I told him that was about, you know, the reason I give it away because I was sick and tired of people rubbishing me about, you know, an old bastard.
1: I very fondly remember sitting on the bench with you once at Bowen Heads in my, I reckon it was my first season or second season of senior football. I was very young and Johnny Dunn was the coach and Dunny was sitting on the bench with me and you and I, and I reckon from memory, I really honestly, I might be just dreaming this, but we had dressing gowns on. In the days when you used to wear dressing gowns on the beach, on the bench, you know, the big long blue dressing gown with the belt around the waist. Anyway, and when you started on the bench, and you said to me, as we were walking from the ground across the bench after the warm-up, you watch this, I'll show you how to get on the ground. So we sat down, and uh, Desi Russell was playing on the wing in front of us, <laughs> and every time... Opposition player would get the ball You'd say, oh, where's Desi? That's Desi's man That's Desi's man again Oh, there's Desi's man again Desi went into a pack Oh, Desi, you bugger that up And you just bagged Desi All the first 10 minutes of the game And Desi didn't do anything wrong And I couldn't work out what you are doing Obviously, Dunny's sitting on the bench with us Listening to this And tells the runner, whoever it was at the time To go out and get Desi off. And I thought, oh, that's what he's doing. He's bagging Desi. Desi's going to go off and go on. And you stood up, ready to go on. And Dunny said, Nipper, get ready, warm up. You're on. <laughs> Replace Desi. And I thought, thanks very much, Hell You got me on the ground. But Well, no. there
2: was another sideline to that one because I tried it once when Chocka Welsh was coaching. And this happened because I had to coach and play the reserves... Come off at three quarter time, get the boys fired up for the last quarter, then go and sit on the the bench for the seniors because we're you know we're short on players and that's sort of jazz. And we're playing over at Port Arlington and uh, I was sitting on the bench with Maxi Yeller, and he wanted to know, you know, he said we've got to get a run, surely, you know. So I give him the same spin. Because he
0: wasn't famous for putting his reserves out on the pit. He park,
2: wasn't. Was. No, he was very reluctant. Um, but I did the same thing. I was bagging everybody else on the field until uh, Chalker turned to me and said, warm up. I said, you're going on. So I got up and Max's mouth must have dropped just about to the floor, I think. So this poor bugger had to come off the ground. I went out there. And I was only out there for no more than 20 minutes. So it would have been like it was 15, 15 to 20 minutes. Next to me, the runner come out and called me off. And I gone, the bloody old four he been out here for 15 minutes. And as he, he said, "Well, you got to come off. You got to come off." So as I come off, here's Maxie stand the sidelines, and he said to me, "He said it works." <laughs> <laughs> he bagged gotcha. the shit out of me until Jocka took me off.
0: Because you were, I remember. We spoke about this recently, but I remember when you when you played in the reserves, when you coached the reserves, and you were playing coach, and you you had, did you have a hundred? team sheets did Jeff Miller print team sheets for you with A Fry in the middle printed printed <laughs> name you didn't have to write it in it was just there wasn't it
2: yeah the only problem was of course is then when Adam played and we come to do all the votes I read him out as Alan Fry and Adam <laughs> Fry and he couldn't figure out why he didn't get a vote <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and how you'd sometimes get three and yeah, two in and the one game, one
2: game. <laughs> matter of fact Terry Lindsay got three votes one day and he didn't even play he wasn't even there
1: yeah. Uh, his brother Peter was a very good player though, wasn't
2: he? I rate Peter and this is of course open to a lot of discussion naturally and and we've all got different opinions but I would rate Peter as probably the best that ever played there. Yeah. And I'd rate very him good. equal to and and maybe just shade out the likes of Wato and even you know John Owen mm. all right and these blokes.
0: So I actually wrote down a list of blokes and I was going to get you to make a two or three word <coughs> commentary on him as as footballers. Might they
2: payback here? Or, no, yeah,
0: no. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> absolutely. I hope just later. Right. So, and you, well, there's one. There's one who's not on the list, but I'm going to mention him, and you'll get payback massively. So the first name is Jeff Fry. Uh,
2: Jeff was uh, Jeff was a terrific ruckman. He was our mainstay, but Jeff was a little bit looked at took a lot to fire him up. One day there, Gary Hamer used to not telling me what he actually meant because there was one day there. I think we were in a situation where we had to win the game to cement second spot Gary came up to me and asked me if um, and said to me look we've got to get your big brother fired up we've got to get him aggro he said he needs a bit of prick about him and I said to Gary leave it to me so in the warm up I went up to the big brother I jumper punched him and next minute he's come up off the floor just about trying to kill me rip my head off you know and then he went out and he finished up getting best on the ground and uh, Gary came up after us and said, "Not quite what I meant, Alan, but you know, good job." Uh, and he did that twice to me. Gary, we were playing down at Torquay, and their little rover, you may have remember, little Hill, Black um, called Hill. Yeah. And I was back pocket, so I was minding him in the in the uh, back pocket. And Gary came to me at three quarter time. Uh, no, sorry, big pun at half time. And he's giving me a bit of a roasting, saying you're giving him too much leeway. You know he's 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 killing us. You know we've got to get him out of the game. And uh, so I get out there on the third quarter, and I picked him up and drove him into one of the signposts on the you know on the on the side of the ground. And they carried him off on the stretch. And then Gary came up and said, "That's not quite what I meant. Take him out of the game." And I said, "Will you bloody tell me what you mean then?" <laughs> so very good. Um, Jeff wore number thirty two, didn't he? From memory? You could be right. The best man to ask is Chuka. Chuka remembers if everyone's jumping. You number. wore number 26. 26. Jeff wore 32. And the young brother was number two.
1: Johnny was number two, he was, yes.
0: So was Adam.
2: So was Adam. So was Adam.
0: Yeah. All right, so we'll go to the next one. Gordon Watson.
2: Great football. Great football. He was um, not much of him. But his buddy, pretty hard to catch. He had a great football brain.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. Dennis As a matter of fact,
2: I think football boots might have been the only time he ever wore. Shoes. Shoes, yeah,
1: I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah, I reckon the only, only time, three times I've seen him with shoes on. On the footy field, on the cricket field. <laughs> and he went and bought a pair to go to a function on Melbourne Cup Day last year. <laughs> yeah. And he
0: just didn't look right. <coughs> <laughs>
2: At funerals.
0: Mm-hmm. Depends on whose funeral. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll go to the next one. Dennis
2: Johnson. Dennis Johnson was uh, probably a revelation at Bowen Heads. He was just a phenomenon. Um, you'd never probably meet such a laid-back personality. My fondest memories of John O was we had to go and get him out of the surf to come and get ready for football, and then you had to give him a pie. He didn't really need any or too many instructions from the coach, or you know what the coach wanted of him, and so forth. He was just one of those guys who would just go and do it. On a natural situation and marvelous, marvelous football. He could have gone on to bigger and better things, but he just was loved the surf and was just so laid back. He, you know, was probably a pity in one way. But then again, if he had gone
1: on to bigger and better things, we wouldn't have had him.
2: No, that's exactly right. And there's a few people you can sort of talk about like that. Potentially, I think we did have a lot of players come through that side that you know could have gone on to, Mm. you know, the next level. We were lucky. I guess, in the fact that we picked up a lot of players that would come down from Melbourne to surf. You know, the likes of Kenny yeah. McClelland and yeah. Jeff Nicholson and these guys and... Neil Hanson. Neil Hanson, even. He was
1: a very good player, wasn't oh, he? Oh, he
2: was a great player. And so these guys really, you know, filled in a lot of the holes that we had at the time and they were a bit of a revelation. And, you know, even the likes of Kenny McClelland and and came on to, to finish up um, staying... In the district and, yeah. uh, you know, in the town, so, which was true
0: Brian Marshman?
2: Uh, I played beside Brian Marshman for so long. And, you know, a lot of people would say about Brian Marshman, if you're going to get a kick against Brian, you get a smack in the back of the ear, which is probably true.
1: <laughs> and if he didn't, you would uh,
2: Exactly. And, and the good thing about Brian playing beside him for so many years, it's like Jackie Evans, you know, if Jack got the ball, he knew exactly where Gordon Watson was going to run. Marshy was the same in the fact that, uh, depending upon how the ball was coming in, I knew I either had to get in front of Marshy for the big punch or go over the back if it was going to spill. It was just playing together for so long that you got to know, pretty much without looking sometimes, exactly where blokes were going to be.
1: I, I remember very vividly as a kid watching Marshy kick out from full back with... These humongous drop kicks that would land in the centre of the Balneads ground, and then you'd get the ball, and it'd take you four kicks to get the same distance.
2: That'd be about right oh, wouldn't yeah. It? yeah, I'd be right. <laughs> I could probably, I reckon the only thing I could actually hit was the boundary line. <laughs> <laughs> and when they brought in kicking out of bounds on the fall, that just ruined me footy as well. <laughs> but I remember one day down there, I'm not sure what was wrong with Jackie Evans, but he was, he was the runner, and um, Choco Welsh again was uh, coaching. And Choco decided to send Jack out on the ground with a message. And when Choco gave him that message, Jack just looked at him and said, Are you sure? And Choco said, Yes. Jack went out to Marsh and said, Choco says no more drop kicks. <laughs> Jack came back to the bench and Choco said, what did he say? And Jack said, He told you to get f- <laughs> 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 and just kept on kicking the goal, the, you know, drop, the, kick. the drop kicks. But you're right. He you could kick from that uh, fullback position over the, over yeah. that centre, you know, and and do it consistently. It wasn't oh, like absolutely. it was it wasn't you know, one off. No, wasn't one off. Chucky piece. To my thoughts in those that era, that we we had those really good sides. Uh, there was other good footballs around. Don't get me wrong. In in, in other sides and very very good come up get some terrific players and so forth. But I still trying to keep as unbiased as I can. I still reckon he was the best full forward in the in going around. He had a great spring on him. Uh, he had a, he could take some great marks, kicked well, never stopped talking. You know, he was always telling you where to go and where to be, and you know, so forth and so on. But for all of that, he could back it up with with his skill. He was a, a reasonably contained fellow. He never used to lose his temper very much at all. I did experience it a couple of times, and when he went off, he did go off. But um, he was a pretty laid back sort of a character, and and I think as everyone knows and that's listening here tonight and you walk around uh, this district and you just mention the word chooker and oh, it's everyone knows him and I'd, knows who he is. I had
0: a look on the uh, AFL Barwon's <coughs> website today and the history of, of everything of all the leagues and the leading goal kickers are mentioned in, in the history of the league of every year mm. of Ballerine. And Chucky won the leading goal kicker a number of times. I think in all of the years when we won those flags, he was the leading goal kicker in the competition. And he is the only person in that list whose name says Stephen, and in brackets, Chuka, right. P. <laughs> now, just the last couple. Jeff Nicholson.
2: Yeah, now there's uh, a, a fellow of contrasts. I still play golf with him every now and then. Uh, He's a bloody good golfer as well, great footballer, but probably a bloke that should never have played football. And Jeff, I'm not talking behind Jeff's back, I've said it to him before, rip a bloke, but you've got to get to know him. Too many people make the mistake of thinking that he's a little bit, you know, on the how's your father's side and, you know, a bit weak and whatever the case may be, but... What a mistake. What a mistake. But that guy... He He could have just been anything and everything. But I saw him one day in a practice match against probably one of the the biggest and baddest reputations in the whole of Geelong and Ballerine and parts unknown, Carl Ferguson.
1: Yeah.
2: And I seen Carl take Jeff on one day because Jeff was giving him hiding. Nico nearly tore him apart. Carl's a funny bloke because he would tell you how he knocked your missus off the night before and also a jazz, but then he would be the first one to buy you a beer in the rooms. He came up to me after the game and he said to me, he said, I've played uh, football all over the place. He said, I've played up in the Northern Territory against the uh, the Indigenous sides. And he said, I've only been scared twice in my life. And he said, once was playing up in the Northern Territory. Yeah. And he said, and today was the second day. He said, who was well, that little blonde bastard? Yeah. yeah, Jeff nearly just took his face off. You well, know That was the
1: thing with Nico, because he was such an unassuming looking fellow. And because he could absolutely tear a game apart with his ability, people think that they could knock him off by intimidating him. And, and look,
2: Hilo, you've, you've also got to keep it in mind, if you went out there to play on Jeff Nicholson and you just played on Jeff Nicholson to yep. your own merits, yep. you would have no problem with Jeff. No. exactly. You right. know? And if you beat him on your merits, you'd have no problem with him. Yep. It was only when they tried to put him off his game yeah. by, you know pension or you know whatever it was whatever it was yeah. and he'd give you a couple of warnings yeah and yeah. alan marsh probably suffered the yeah. the uh not heeding the warnings yeah that was jeffrey but yeah. you know he he turned to me <clears throat> into probably one of, after a a rough upbringing but he turned into being probably the best father i've seen he just adores his kids. There's nothing yeah. he'd do for his and ki- nothing yeah. you know he wouldn't do for his kids. I should say. And he's become a very good golfer. He's a pennant player over yeah. at Glenstone. Yeah,
1: do He's—I don't see him very often, but when I do, he's just a lovely bloke. He's a yeah, great He's bloke. a lovely guy. Yeah. Pound,
2: pound for
0: pound, like and on his day, just a bloke who could just destroy a game in ten minutes and then go missing for the rest yeah. of the game. We, it wouldn't matter. We
2: dragged him off the flank there, wasn't we? <laughs> The coach dragged him off the flank there one day and put him into the centre and told him to just go for it sort of thing, you know. And in one half of football, he kicked 11 goals. You know, he yeah. just run down yeah. the centre. Yeah. And uh, that was what uh, he could maybe do. Maybe kicked
0: nine goals in a quarter at <coughs> Drysdale once. Yeah, and that's,
2: that's uh, the sort of thing Jeff uh, could do.
0: on heads against Drysdale. Yeah. I yeah. actually remember him in that game. He, he was playing in the centre because the ball got kicked Somebody bombed it into the goal square at the, at, at the defensive end, and Jeff just soared over a pack and took this massive mark, mm. and then hit the ground running and gave it off. Mm. And the ball went round the outer wing under the tree, and then one of our blokes <sighs> got the ball and bombed it into the goal square. And Jeff took a better mark, yeah, in, the, in our goal square and
2: kicked a goal. And another product from Footscray, you know, we had a, uh, quite a lot of good footballs come down out yeah. of that district. <coughs> uh, but Josh that star, that boy he's... was just overawed with, uh, over endowed yeah. rather with skills yeah. and potentials. And David Highland. David Highland. I had a lot of respect for Highland. I had a lot of respect in his kicking abilities. <clears throat> I had a lot of respect in his elusiveness. He could do a lot of things. Could have been a star if he'd watched his weight and 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 probably got fair dinkum. But I think it's a genetic thing. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. Yeah, because your
0: dad's overweight. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. <I> talking, <laughs> talking <laughs> but um, had a lot of ability. A lot yeah. of ability. I
1: think there's a gene, and, it, and it's, it has been mentioned by Hilo's sons as well, that there's a gene in the Highland male.
2: that's called the can't be <laughs> gene. <laughs> Rather do something else. Um, Look, Hilo, it's... it's, it's it's really funny when you you start talking about that, you know, I mean, I, now a lot of the blokes I took to have got Alzheimer's, you know, I, I, I do brag a lot, but look, I was a very average player, and, and uh, but I wanted to just play to my best abilities. Yeah, That was, you know, a backup player to the likes of Marshy, to the likes of Jackie Evans and these sort of guys, and, and yeah, look, my kicking scores were not that good, but you know, I just, yeah, I always remember, all you could hear was chooker, hit the boundary, <laughs> and i But I survived on that for a lot of years, you know, and, and I had uh, a lot of injuries over the years with uh, knee reconstructions. And matter of fact, I played the last seven seasons with no cartridges in either leg. Um, but I just loved footy. I just wanted to play mm-hmm. footy. I created a little bit of probably history. I was the first footballer in the whole Geelong and district, that ever had an arthroscopic uh, operation on my knee. Oh, right. Right. The, the first specialist I got sent to was going to open the knee up and put me in plaster for six weeks. Yeah. And I said no to that. And then I went to another young bloke, who was a young bloke in those days, and he'd only just learnt it, how to do it in Melbourne, and said, do you want to be my guinea pig? Wow. And he had to actually get the, the equipment down from Melbourne to do it. So I was the first bloke in the long District to have an arthroscopic Who was the surgeon? Oh, bugger me, I know. But he was the same bloke that years later told me to give footy away. No more I can do for you. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, what was I, 35 or 36, something like that, I suppose. And I went in and just get a clean-up, and I didn't even realise that it was the same bloke, you know, yeah. and I didn't recognise him from all those days. But as I'm sitting there and he's going through it, it was only just a clean-up, and he pulled the files out and he said, I know your name, and he went through deeper into these files. <laughs> And he said, you're the bloke I told us of, to give football away seven years ago. And I said, aye, oh, you're the same dog, are you? <laughs> <laughs> but, it, hello, I just, no, look, I just love footy. And I love the Bowenets Football Club because I've made so many friends and mates through the journey. And, and I, look, I used to tell even the the reserves players and any of the kids that listen, it's different when you're playing for a suburb, but when you're playing for a whole town... Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of responsibilities on your back on how mm-hmm. you conduct yourself and how you behave yourself on the field yeah. or off the field in, in, in that situation. And to represent a whole township gives you a certain amount of distinction. To this day, I'll pass people in the street that'll say hello to me and I haven't got a clue who I'm talking to, but then they'll remind me. Yeah. And that's that's a lovely thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's funny that people... I mean, people look, you meet later on in life and they say, oh, I remember <clears> when you played footy and you think, I don't even know yeah, you, I know. but you used to go down and watch. Yeah.
0: yeah, And people from other towns, and that's the great thing about our about our league, is by and large, that they've got the same thing about their town.
2: But you see, I just think that this is what the epitome of what country football is about. Yes. You know? Absolutely. I brought up one day at a league meeting, because I'd spoken to a chap, actually almost uh, by accident, uh, and happened to be the president of a league up in the mid-Victoria, some bloody way, and we were discussing about... I was discussing about how money was ruining in football and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he told me that they had a league of eight teams, but for the last 15, 20 years, the same two sides always played off in the grand final, and they were the ones that, because of that, had money and, you know... And they had to do something about it. So they brought in a system where they said, right, all match payments are going to be banned. The two bottom clubs are allowed to have three paid players, but only the two bottom clubs. And if you wanted to cheat on doing that, make sure you don't get caught because it's going to be a $20,000 fine. And that was a long time ago when mm. I, this yeah. was all happening. And that was big money and a loss of your points. And I said, how'd it go? And he said, well, there was a lot of objections to it, of course. And a lot of people said, well, how are you going to police it? And he said, well, that's where it's up to you people. If you want it to work, make it work, right? I mean, if a bloke goes down the local butcher shop on the Monday morning, gets a couple hundred bucks shoved under the counter to him, and he goes to the pub, gets pissed and starts talking about it, and, you know, are you going to pay the 20 grand? And he said, the first, it took... Two and nearly three seasons. And he said, now, he said, we've had a good rotational thing where everyone's getting a go at it, you know. And I brought it up at a delegates meeting and said it's something that we should, well, at least discuss. I had big objections from Torquay and big objections from Drysdale, I think it was, who stood up and said, it'll never work. So I repeated what this fellow said and I said, it'll work if you blokes want it to work. I said, because match payments, as far as I'm concerned, are just... You've got to understand, in the times I'm talking about, yeah, not yeah, now, yeah, yeah. but in the times I'm talking about, it was just crippling clubs. Mm. You know, I mean, we were, we were on a hair's breadth. I mean, we were using the pub as a bank almost. That was why, the reason I, I sort of put the hand up to go um, president. But, and then I turned round to the talky chap and I said, if we were to do it, I guarantee you won't lose any players. And he said, Oh, like they'll just go and hawk themselves to someone else. I said, No, no, no. What they'll do is they'll stay and play with their mates or the club that they like. All right? Because they're not going to get me any money anywhere else. Or unless they go into another district somewhere. Yeah. And that'll be good riddance. <clears throat> and then the Drysdale bloke was still harping at me. And I said, OK, I said, Look, don't name them by name, but put up five fingers and, tell and you pick your five highest paid players out of your side. And I said, I will tell you what your five worst clubmen are, because I'll guarantee they don't turn up to any do's, they don't turn up for any working bees, they don't turn up and help the kids out, and I reckon half of them would only turn up to train them once a week, and they just both shut up. So it was a workable thing if you were strong enough to do it. Unfortunately, I couldn't get them to do it, but anyway, that's another story.
0: Well, yeah, but it's been recognised that 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 was an issue. With, by bringing the points. Oh, without a bringing doubt. Bringing points into the into system. You know, you've
2: got the other side of the coin too though, Teddy and Nipper, because like Bowenhead has got to be proud of themselves that to the best of my knowledge, we were the first ones to bring our net club, netball club into the umbrella of the football club. And then that went virtually league-wise and now it's become the norm for just about every football yeah. club in Victoria, yeah. if not... Australia, yeah. and that started here, yeah. to the best of my knowledge. Yeah. So,
0: but Ballerine was one of the first, without a doubt, that actually had netball and football with, with, played against the same teams in yep. the same competition. Without a oh, doubt, G- and G- and you G- were, you would
2: not get your points in your football club if you didn't. Play yeah. a netball team.
1: Yeah. GFL have only been doing it for 20 years. So yeah. For 30 years, the Ballerina were doing the football netball mm. before GFL. And you'll find if
2: you go around it. most of Victoria, they're all the same mm. now. Yeah. And I think, look, that's another milestone that, you know, a lot of people have just got to be proud of. Yeah. You know, I mean, we can track our our football club back to the early 1920s now. Yeah. I mean, what is it not next year, the year after? It's the 100th anniversary, yep. That, yep. you know, the football club. Yeah. You know, it's something that you should be proud of. And, I, and if I can be critical, I'm very critical of a lot of the memorabilia we lost over the years. I'm critical of why they haven't got that legends wall up again with all their photographs and so forth. I don't know what their aim is with that. But actually, I mean, but if you boys, lose tra- if you lose your traditions and you lose your you lose your identity, or if it gets eaten up into the ether somewhere, you just haven't got anything. You haven't got a backbone. Mm. And I think this is really what happens to a lot of these... It's just not football clubs. It's a, it's a lot of clubs that, that fall into that sort of a hole, you know? Lose their
1: history, and, lose and their And I roots. was
2: really sad that they changed their, their, their football song.
1: What was the song when you started?
2: We Are the Seagulls.
1: Down by the Sea.
2: Mm. And, of course, then it became... Um, She's a
1: Grand Old Flag. She's a
2: Grand Old Flag. Yep. And I know that's just taken off the Melbourne song, but it was our song for a lot of years. Mm. And I'm sure if I brought back a lot of these old boys that have passed on or, you know, even the likes of Joey Marshman and, yeah. you know, all these guys, they wouldn't even recognise the song now. They wouldn't even be able to sing a bar of it no. for you.
1: I do um, Dashing down the wing.
2: Yeah. But, look, I'm, hope, all love, I'm hope. saying is I, I'm a great advocate for tradition. You've got to have your traditions and you've got to maintain that tradition and pass it on to the next generations that are coming through. You know, my granddaughter, young Ruby she's now been invited into the Geelong under-16 squad. And she was really nervous about it and really, you know, sort of uptight and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I said, and I think there were three girls from Barney's that have been chosen to do it. And I know it's just a tryout, but I said, there's a lot of girls who did get called in love, you know. Just do your best and go at it as hard as you can. And if you succeed, then fine, you know. If you don't, well, you've done your best. And that's all you can ask for many of these kids. But kids have got to be brought up in this town that are playing football here, that, yes, they're representing not just the football club, but they're representing a whole township. Yeah, that's
0: right. A community.
2: Community. That's exactly yeah. right. But
0: which brings brings us to a sad note, because this week we lost one of our great members of our Very, very sad. Very sad. And one of the great people uh, of not only the town, certainly of the football club, not only town, the district, and the history of... of the whole district, in Bonnie Cameron, who was... Did we, did we get an age on Bonnie? 95.
1: 95. 95. I so spoke nice. to her a couple of
0: weeks ago, and she oh. was really good. Um,
1: yeah, very... She was a woman
2: talk. that never seemed to age, you know, looking at her sort of mm, thing, you yeah. know. Um, she, sort of she never of old, didn't she?
0: Well,
2: well not really. <laughs> well, she I reckon she just, she just never seemed to change. No, no. Just never seemed to change. Yeah. And she was
0: tireless. Oh Man, look! Relentless. I I had a
2: few run-ins with her, but she was always fair. I was going
0: to ask you about that, Alan, because Bonnie was a very strong-willed person. Very strong-willed, and so are you.
2: I unfortunately and you had did the... a
0: bit of committee <laughs> presidency, and yeah. how long were you present for? I think it was two years. I yeah. Can't look. So you had it's your in... presidency and other committee roles as well. The thing
2: with the the thing with the was the with the presidency thing was that it was well almost the stage where no one else was going to put their bloody hand up. And we were running on strew strings and for years and years and years, the lady committee, ladies committee, operated as a separate entity. Kept their own books and their own finances and blah, 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 blah. And there was an unwieldy committee that we came into that I think there was something like 11 committeemen. And I it down to five or half a dozen, I think it was. And then I had to insist on Bonnie, uh, to Bonnie, that those books had to come into and into the umbrella of the whole club and be audited by us and all the money's gotta come into us. If they wanted money for this, that or the other, that's fine. They could put in requests for it and you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh Body was not a happy lady, but finally come around and, you know, I mean sometimes these committees can get just so unwieldy and too many people pushing their own agendas or going in opposite directions and blah blah blah. And to get us out of the mess that we're in, it had to be you know, a unanimous thing all around the board, you know. Funny sidelight to it was, and I think maybe both have heard this story before, but who was on the committee, a fellow very well known to us that's just passed away recently, Mr. Pelham. I decided I'd give Pelham uh, a position of responsibility (laughs) because he'd stuck his hand up as well. He put an application in, that was true. So we had him handling the books. And during the summer and the pre-season... Pelham was selling. He was coming in of a Sunday morning or a Tuesday night with these bags full of money, uh, and he was running the chook raffle down the down the pub. And there was bags full. Of money. It was like you know between two and four hundred dollars every time he come in. You huh? know, and I sort of got I don't know why, but it went on for a couple of weeks until I, I I just questioned him and I said, "Steve, are you taking the money for the chooks out of your own pockets and then reimbursing yourself? Because I said you know you got to make sure you keep." the chits and you know yeah, the, yep. the proper paintwork in or you take it out of the bag and you know whatever, whatever, whichever way it goes but you've got to put he said oh no niece, no no he said I never raffled a chook and I'm saying what are you talking about you run it down there every Friday and Saturday night and he said no but we didn't raffle a chook he used to go to the news agency and he'd get those little cheap raffle books and he'd go around and he'd sell them all over the pub and then he'd wait half an hour and he'd go around again and if someone said to him what about the last draw? who won the last draw?" <laughs> Oh, I was black out in the bistro, wasn't it? You know? Yeah. So we're going around again.
1: Yeah, in the beer garden. And you and know what, wanted...
2: We all know what it's yeah. like standing at the bar, you know, and you've got change sitting beside you and have a beer, you know. Someone says, do you want to buy a raffle to you? He said, yeah, take some money in, you know. And that's what he was doing. Never never raffled, never raffled one chook until I said you better <laughs> at least raffle one chook. But, no, I mean, you know, and it's, it's funny, you twist of things where people give it a bit of responsibility, stands up and, you know, Rob gave a, a good hand, but... It's just sometimes I think these committees just get too big. And also people stay in them for far too long, you know. For the wrong reasons. And for the wrong reasons, yeah. Yeah. Look, you know, I say that and my father was sort of secretary for 15, 16 years. But, I mean, uh, unknown to most people, mum did most of the work as far as the book work was concerned. And she, uh, it was, it would, it become almost a football record. And unfortunately, a lot of it's been lost yeah. Because you know there probably could be a book written from it. Mm.
0: I mean, a lot of a lot of the history of a lot of footy clubs probably just doesn't get kept, does it? No, like, it's you know you've got you've, you've got a responsibility to keep them, but only for a certain amount of time, and then people go, well, what am I going to do? with See, them? I'm sure there's a lot see of them fellows. As historic documents, I'm
2: sure maybe. there's a lot of people even now that oh, I've had countless of them come up and go. Who can I find out like how many games I played back in so yeah. and so and so and so? Yeah, I have no bloody yeah. idea. Cornsy's always on my back, <laughs> no. yeah. Um, see, so when we come incorporated, which I was president in that, at that time, I changed a ruling that a life member had to serve at least 10 years or either as a committee person or you know, whatever, an official, it should be. 200 senior games as well because it takes more than 10 years to get those up yeah, anyway. Yeah. So there's a yeah. lot of blokes that missed out on getting that accolade that should have. Mm. And there's a lot of guys like me big brother that mm. never received one, you yeah. know. Cornsy's is always on my back about it as well. No,
1: I've never heard him say but, that.
2: Uh, <laughs> I mean, even my son, I reckon, would have scored up more than that as well. So I don't know what happened to those sort of things. And I would have thought, unless those in, in corporate... Rules had been changed; it would be still on those books. Yeah. Who knows? I got no idea.
0: I got life membership on the basis of having played two hundred games. I, I mean, I did a lot of other stuff as well. Oh, of course, yeah, of course. But, but yeah, it, it was sort of. And I don't know how was...
2: some of these got lost, or misdirected, um, whatever. You see, because I mean, even the big brother Jeff and the brother John, they both served on committees as well. Yeah. yeah. So even there. Mm is another criteria that, that yeah. should have come into the, the equations, yeah. you know. But, yeah, I, I mean, look, you know, it takes a full club meeting to change those in corporate rules. Yeah. Uh, and look, if it hasn't been done, it was probably still, it's probably yeah, still off right. the books, you it's know. one
1: of those things that uh, changing constitutions is a very hard thing to do that takes a lot of work. And if it takes oh, a lot of took, work, someone's not going to do it. It took
2: unknown <laughs> bloody hours of work. Yeah. It was just a mind boggle. Um, you see, at one stage, I had this grand idea uh, and this goes back to when we used to get boys threatened about getting thrown off bow yeah. and heads you know? so I had this grand idea that I'd approach the Geelong council and go up to the 54 acres and I actually at the time had the rooms valued and again given the era when this was happening you know they were valued somewhere around about the 85 grand so I thought okay go to the council and say, so, well, we can offer 85 grand. I wanted to then get together with all the sporting clubs in Bowen Heads. You know, your cricket clubs, your, you know, your golf club, your tennis club, you know, the horse riding club, whatever. And your bowling clubs, and amalgamate the whole lot of them, get a really nice community centre put up there, which become everybody's to use, yeah, yeah. with some change rooms and blah, 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 and sort an oval out for us. And the answer I got back on that, submission that I'd spent bloody weeks on doing to the council said it was a terrific idea we will be very interested in that you move up there and then we'll think about building a facilities yeah. for you yeah What's
1: this space
2: and so I turned yeah. around and said well you know, you can't move up there if you haven't got the facilities yeah. the change rooms and the you know the showers and blah 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 yeah. you know but uh so and then I put in suggestion to the club that even you could go as far as approaching Ocean Grove and sh- not amalgamating with them, but sharing that Shell Road Oval. Coop here is just like a training base or if the, the force yeah. wanted to take it over, train playing. up here. And you could work your draw so that when they're away, we're playing home, blah, 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 uh, have a, an, a a bit of an amalgamated committee so that... You know, you've got an equal voice, so forth and so on and so forth. But I wouldn't uh, advocate going back to as an amalgamated, no. you know, some Grow for it, come again. But it could have been done by sharing. It's it's done in the league now. How many you know grounds are shared now by yeah. other clubs? Yeah, which will it, it could, you be, long it could be, do be done? Yeah, mm. Geelong West do that. Share but the door pretty much fell on,
0: yeah,
2: you know, deaf ears.
0: But for the foreseeable future, that their place <clears throat> up here, up there, is safe. Mm. For the
2: foreseeable future, yeah. yeah. But um, it's not, it's, I'd like to know if you've got it in writing though. It yeah, goes.
0: it's it's an ongoing it's an ongoing thing though. Even if it's you know even if it's a twenty five year lease or a thirty year lease, it, it, every, every now and then it has to, you still have to go through that pain, don't yeah. you? Mm. But
2: see, the big elephant in the room is that even if the foreshore committee did that, they can't use the oval anyway because it's a designated emergency. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 Um, you know, yeah, go. To, well, that's where the campers are supposed to go if there's a fire. I know. And exactly and right. So I
2: can't see why they'd even be interested <laughs> in doing it anymore because it's just yeah. not going to benefit them. And, and, and you know, I mean, it's just. Yeah, yeah. it is a
0: bit. It, it is a, a bit bloody-minded. I think sometimes. Oh, that, it is. Of course, you know,
1: it is. We yeah, don't. Realistically, I mean, how much effect does it have on the tourism trade during winter? West Having Street, eh? games of footy there, mm. probably you know, if anything could enhance it, yeah, Yes. You know, you know, yeah. Let's go for a weekend down the Balneas Caravan Park and we might oh, watch no, a bit of footy.
0: Look, I'm sure if I, I, I'm, I've always been sort of not staggered, but a little bit. I've, I've always wondered why we don't pump the Battle of the Bridge a bit more. I was going to talk to you about that. The, mm. the Battle of the Bridge is a pretty iconic. Sort of game within Australia, really Victoria. I know, yeah. I know people. I've met people in Western Australia and Queensland who say, "Oh, I played my footy at Barren Heads." Oh, you're playing Battles of the Bridge, and like, <laughs> it's a, it's a well-known thing. And, and
2: in the early days, and,
0: and when we play here, yeah. it should be a really big game. I Eastern can remember the very first uh,
2: grand final we won, seventy-two um, uh, against Station Grove, and. Um, the main street of Ocean Grove then had Jack Skinners and you know, where the post office is now, that was just a town open space, so to yeah. speak, with yeah. a big like signboard. Yeah. And we all marched up the up the bloody main street and wrote all across the noteboard, you know, about you know What was uh, that like a mad
1: Monday?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very much like a mad Monday. Um, but I can remember going into old Jack Skinner's in, into his store, you know, and he'd just ignore yeah. you and you'd get served last if you got served at all, you know, <laughs>
0: you and always known player. as the
2: traitor, you know, of the oh, town. Yeah. And yet, you know, when I sort of stopped to explain to people, well, when I started playing football, there was no Ocean Grove side. Yeah. Half of Ocean Grove made up half of the Bar yeah. side, yeah. or Bar Ocean Grove. And I said, so when Ocean Grove started up, it would have been turncoat for me to go yeah. and play for Ocean Grove. So yes. You know, but it took a long time for that stigma to get, get out of old Jack's system.
1: Did, were you ever approached to play at Ocean Grove or when? I oh, think?
2: yes. you're Not on any great official what's yeah, the names. There was just always a, just little feelers going out, you know, especially yeah. to the big brother. Yeah, There was always feelers going out, you know. But we were, our whole family was involved in yeah, yeah Mum, Dad, me and me, you know, two brothers sort of thing. So it was a whole family affair and that was what the club was known for, yeah, you know. Yeah. I've spoken to many uh, uh, a bloke over the years that you, you, you know you run into, used to play footy against and that. Now, you always used to love coming to Booneys. Yeah. I mean, even those Battle of the Bridges, I must say that as willing and rough and rugged as <laughs> the game's got, there was never once I was scared to go into yeah. the Ocean Grove rooms and have a beer with them. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. same as over here.
0: Yes. It, it's well, like nothing, you know, and, a, and
2: it was also like... Um, Russell uh, Grant clobbered me one day at Ocean Grove, broke me nose. You know, he got reported at the time, and, and I got up in front of the tribunal and said, oh, I couldn't remember nothing, you know, I, you know, mind blank, you know. But he, he, he came into the rooms, you know, and, and apologised and bought me a beer. So then the return game at Ocean Grove, I managed to catch him uh, as he come past uh, Stringer for a handball and give him the old coat hanger and, and caught him on the way down. And with his head in the mud, he just said, I bet that's that little prick fry. He said, you're a boy.
1: It's not really
2: bragging in that sense. I'm trying to get the, the idea to people's heads that once that game is finished,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, you know, there's no more animosity. There's no, you know, and yet after that era, there was some of these Battle of the what's names where people were threatening to roadblock the bridge, and oh, it just got out of hand. You know It was ridiculous. I
1: remember a similar one. I was playing on uh, Johnny Williams one game. Greg Williams' brother, and he yep. was a man-man, and she could play. And I ran back into a pack and tried to spoil, and I missed the ball and punched him in the forehead and um, knocked him on the yeah. ground, and he just picked the ball up and ran off. And about 10 minutes later, he shirt-fronted me. And I'm lying on the ground I looked at him and he grabbed me by the hand and lifted me to the ground and he said, even.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I thought, fair enough.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I remember the same, having a big blue with Daryl Bissett one day at, oh. at uh, Newcombe. And, yeah. and, and, and Nipper started it, but I ended up getting <laughs> belted by Daryl Bissett and we sort of got into it and then the, the fight sort of broke up and as I was getting up, he patted me on the arse and he said, are we done? And I said, yeah, that'll do. And he said, good. And <laughs> straight away, as soon as I walked in the rooms, he, he handed me a pot yeah. straight away. And,
2: and see, then there's the other side of the, the uh, equation too, playing over Queenscliff one day and I clashed heads with uh, big Colin Crossweight, only because he was bent down to pick up the ball. <laughs> and uh, I arrived within a millisecond just after him. And as he went down, I come down. And he's grabbed the ball, was on the way up, and and bang, knocked both of senseless, And I sort of looked up, you know, and I'm going, oh, you can chin. And I looked at him and I said, oh shit, I've split your forehead open, you know, blood everywhere. And I said, you have to get that looked at. And he goes, no, it's not my blood, it's yours. Half <laughs> my chin's hanging down here. Oh, right it was just before half time. So half time come, and Doc Burrell yeah,
0: yeah. come
2: up to me. He said, come on, he said, we'll go up to surgery. So he took me up his surgery. And he was playing. And he was playing. Yeah. Stitched me up. We both got back in time for, you know, to go back out in the ground again and out went, and, you know, continued with the game. Yeah. So, and I think Ballerine did have a, uh, you know, a bit of a reputation for that sort of a, um, oh, absolutely. atmosphere, you know. I
0: oh, know a couple of guys who went from Ballerine and went and played GDFL. And a couple of blokes that came from GDFL and played in Ballerine, and they used to call it Gentleman's Footy. Yeah. <laughs> but compared to what Geelong and District Footy was, it was very gentleman. Women. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, um, on that, I also had a run-in with Russell Grand as a 17-year-old in the seconds. Mm. And um, a bloke called Kenny Parker yeah, no pick, Kenny. picked me off, and I thought, I'm a 17-year-old kid, I can't let that bloke belt me so i got up and belted him back yeah and Musclehead had come running in and grabbed hold of me he was going to kill me and brett cooper came up and he said he said russell you can't eat that he's only 17 and Coop, and he said right and he turned around and went smack and broke Coop's nose <laughs> <laughs> and he came come up to me after the game and he said he said i'll probably owe you that and he said you better buy coops a beer and i said i'm only 17 i'm not allowed to buy beer <laughs> The I biggest
2: mistake <laughs> I made in snotting a bloke was Wayne Corns. Oh, really? He wouldn't like that.
1: What was Corns he liked to play with? I mean, I played with him, but, you know, in the 70s and that sort of thing.
2: I know, he great to play with. You um, always knew who he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, was a bloody, he had a lot of skill, too. He was he a did, bloody he good was footballer. Very skillful, <clears> man, this particular night, though, where it was, uh, I think it might have been Big Stretch Crawford that was coaching us. Oh, yeah? We were only using half the ground, and we weren't allowed to kick. It was all handball, you know. You could go in and just grab a bloke to, you know, hold him and then stand on the mark, and it was all handball and, and this sort of thing. And the week before, I'd got this bang right under the nose here, you know, and it sort of broke the gristle under the nose here. And it was as sore as buggery, you know. Anyway, someone handballed it over to, to corns you. And I've gone in, stand there like that, you know, and he's got the ball like that, and he's gone bang into the nose, you know. Oh. And, and I've gone, oh, you... And I went whack and decked him, cut all the side of his lip open. <laughs> Corbin said, right, I do this shit, we're all going in. And took Cornsy over the quack, and he come back, and I'm in the rooms, and I'm having a bit at the stage, and I'm going, oh, shit. Oh, Christ, this is not going to be pretty, you know. <laughs> but he come up, and he said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm I'll boy, you a be <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he had a laugh about yeah, it. Yeah, he had a
2: laugh about it. That
0: would have been good to hear. And he, look, he
2: was a, he was a great bloke, and as I said, he he was he enjoyed his bloody football, and he could play. Kim was a yeah. good footballer as well. Yeah. His brother could yeah. play a bit as well.
0: Yeah,
2: I saw him go over the boundary line there one day to fetch the ball. And there's these breaks down that in that southern
1: yeah, I reckon remember side that.
2: Between the, between the tree and the old school board. Yeah. These blokes have been giving him buggery all day, like, you know. And so he's gone over and he fits the ball from the fence and he's picked it up to throw back the umpire. And these two blokes were right over the fence, bloody, you know, in his ear, yelling. Yeah. So he's going, bang! <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. I don't know whether <laughs> I was
1: playing <laughs> or whether I was watching, but i distinctly remember that. And I'm thinking, he just hit those two <laughs> blokes. <laughs>
0: yeah. He was... Yeah, yeah. yeah and he didn't... He, shoot first and ask questions later he did a little bit oh well questions? yeah well mate
2: so which is the lie ah.
0: that's what we've got to get to we're going to come back to the
2: and i can tell you a little backstory lie. to the uh, to the lot of them but um
1: well let us let us guess what it was
2: yeah go on um, all righty, so it was beating uh, timmy zula in a beach race yeah. to point lines to bow heads yeah. me kicking over our respective careers over the journey, me and Jackie Evans, and I kicked three goals for his one, and that I served as the club coach. I don't reckon, unless you were
0: on a bike or in a car, that you would have beaten Tim Zula. I reckon Jack Evans would have kicked more
1: goals than you. I can't remember you ever kicking a goal.
0: Oh, You kicked a goal. We haven't talked about this, and we're going to come back to it. You kicked a goal in the 87 grand final, didn't mm. you?
2: I kicked a few in the reserves, but I never yeah. kicked one in the seniors. You you
1: play wherever you want to do. I, I beat Timmy Zula than-
2: because we arrived at training and there's a bus there waiting for us. And Howard Smith was coaching and I thought, don't think I'm going to like this. And I knew as soon as we sort of went to get on the bus, we were going.
1: Yeah.
2: So I uh, I got uh, Russell Montgomery and I told him to go home and park his push bike behind the bloody sand dunes at Colandina. Anyway, we got dropped off the lighthouse and every half a kilometre, kilometre I saw a you know, we'd stop and have to run up, spin up and down the bloody sand. And I hated running on the bloody sand and did it about three times until we got to Colandina and I went up over the top of the hill the third time, didn't come back down again. And I grabbed this bike and I rode it to just past Refs. There's a little leap in there. Yeah, yeah And yeah. I told Russell to pick his bike up there and I waited till Timmy come past. And now they were miles behind, yeah. you know, and that was the big effort Timmy put in. So then I come belting out of the sand dunes and I like, went past him and he sort of did the big double, double look, you he know. Would, he would but not he had have nothing left
1: what was going on. And he
2: had nothing left, you see. And anyway, I beat him to the mouth of the river, you see, and I go, oh, Jesus, I'm stuffed. You know, I had to put in a big effort to get up to you. And he said, "Last time I looked, he said there was no one within Bloody Kewea." I said, "Well, the be a big boy." anyway, everyone else arrived there, and they they tweed what was going on. Timmy didn't still wake up to it, and then we've walked up the sand dunes to the start of the bridge, yeah. and he's still talking about it. And he walked face into the telephone pole, <laughs> <laughs> and then knocked himself out. Oh. But I actually did Beady. serve as the club coach because Someone gets Peter Mannerick
1: ah. oh.
2: went to Bali oh, right. and told me on a Thursday night when you missing for when I was president. Yep. I was reserves coach. I was senior, senior coach. coach. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. And I, it was like, you know, that's pretty much why he wasn't appointed the following year because he just wasn't yeah. really all that interested. Um, so we didn't...
0: We, I wanted to touch on it because I had a look at this today so we'll just finish off with it. Yep. And it it is a it is a grand crescendo. Talk us through the 1987 grand final because I had a look at the scores today and we ki- how's this? We kicked 16 goals 5. Mm. And I think they kicked 11 9 or something. Or- and did you um, take notice the, of the, the score at three-quarter no, time? Yeah, See, kicked, the, the, that. wasn't there, but the I remember quarter. we kicked 10 in the last quarter, and they kicked one. Well, we mm-hmm. were six so goals it, down. at three-quarter time, it was 10 goals plenty to
2: about six. Yeah. We were actually at least five shaven six goals down. Yeah, I reckon. And my three-quarter speech went a little bit like, all <laughs> oh, right, you've scared the shit out of me. I said, you bloody idiots have said there's a lot of you it's the last time you ever play footy again in your life you've got one quarter of football left in you I swapped full back centre half back for full forward and centre half forward yep and told them that you know you had one game of footy left in you one quarter of football left in you it's either that or just disappearing you know never to be seen again and never to be remembered again and we come out and kicked ten goals yeah in that last and quarter
0: you kicked ten goals but after, they kicked the first goal of the quarter. Yeah, And fairly did. quickly, too. Yeah. And, like, the, the big speech, because I, I, I remember the big speech. This is, you, you know, and then, uh, righto, let's mm. see what they do. And Queenskiff came out and went whack and kicked a goal straight yeah. away. And it, it was like, oh, jeez, it's going to take a big, big yeah. effort now. So they, it would have been six goals down at that
2: point. And then cool. the tap got turned on. Yeah. I mean, I was hard-pressed to understand it myself. It was just like, it was really it was just burning a light bulb.
1: And I, I, I claim it
2: as probably the best move that's ever been made in the Ballerine Football League by swapping, you know, both the key uh, back people yeah. for the key forward people. But, you know. Because um, we videotaped
1: that game. You
2: know, I know, from he was up on the roof.
1: And I was commentating with, I remember Smallie was with me, Brian Small. Yeah.
2: Who was and doing the co commentary with. It wasn't Archie, was it? Bim. Bim it was, was there, Bimbo. I knew on, one of the Govins was. Yeah,
1: well. We did a we did a pre match World of Sport type thing at Bim's house in the morning and then we picked up the video camera, brought it over, got it up on the roof of the club rooms at Leopold and we did that. Anyway, three quarter time I'd pretty much given up and said, This game's all over. Coinscliffe got this in the bag. I'm just gonna sit back here and let you watch it. And I could and all I got for the last <laughs> quarter was Smalley grabbing me by the shoulders saying, We're gonna win this, we're gonna win this Matty Walder played in that, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Seventeen year he old. He was about
2: seventeen years old. Yeah, yeah, and he was a third, he was one. I think I had him at centre half yeah. forward. I think. Yeah. Switched him up to centre half back. Kenny Mack. I switched into full forward. I think. And Dave Gubbins
1: tells me that he reckons he may have found that video.
2: I tell you who's got it, Maxi Scheller. He got it off Petho. Mm. Petho's had it all this time. Oh. But it's still on an old oh, really? VHS tape. VHS tape. Yep. It's been given to Max. And I said to Max, I'd be willing to pay for it. Yeah. And he said, no, it'd be fine. I said, well, I'll, I'll pay half if you want to. But I said, get it done onto a disc. Yeah. And I said, we can get copies done for anybody that wants them. And yeah. blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. I said, "Better it, because it'd be a great thing to look back but, on. No, no. I've seen it twice only. Yeah. Uh, only because I kicked a goal in that game. But uh, <laughs> So is that the
1: only goal you ever kicked in your career?
2: No, no. Matter of fact, I think uh, the first... or See, because I, I played myself... Out of the centre, yeah. Because I just found it easier to coach from the centre.
1: Yep. If
2: I stuck yep. up either one end or the other, you know, you were forever having to get yeah. your yep. runner out or um, getting uh, Monty out. You your, know, voice, so your voice, your voice, carried to both ends well, of the green. Well, from the centre, but middle. you could also get a bit of feel for which way it was, yeah. you know, and uh, and and whatever. But anyway, um, I think there was. Oh, it was one year? One year I kicked about through the season. I kicked about fifteen goals. Oh wow! That's but um, um, yeah, and I kicked one in the in the grand final. But most of the times I kick a goal, uh, pretty much flipped, But unless I'm standing right in the way, of it.
0: <laughs> anyway, Al, I think we're just about. Thank you very much. Ready scores. to wrap it's it been up. Very entertaining. We really appreciate you coming along. Obviously, the the your passion for the footy club. Has obviously grown over many years, and
1: and it hasn't waned. And it
0: hasn't waned. I was just going to say that it hasn't gone away. You're not as not as involved anymore, but you still come along and watch the games. It's great to catch up with you when you're
2: on the hill.
1: Doesn't it? Doesn't always just get the always. home games either. I oh, spotted him know. out at Hurst Reserve in Hearn Hill on Sunday, watching the junior What's girls play. The, yeah. Watching the
2: granddaughter play. And I'll leave you with one thought, and on what you were just talking about before, because I got a commemoration from the Ballerine League as well and a life membership there as well. I said that for the enjoyment that I've got, I had gotten out of football, I would never be able to pay back. Even if I was playing football at 80 years old, I don't think I'd still be able to pay back what I got out of that football club. And I know it's probably not a, maybe not a common thing these days, because I think money has killed all that. I go back to the days when we used to have to pay 50 cents to play. You yeah, they covered some insurance. Insurance, the umpires.
1: Did you have a did you have a raffle for a couple of bottles of beer? <laughs> oh, Stewie told said. us. Oh, man, told just, us a great story. Yeah, well, oh, two two crazy. bottles of beer for two bottles we of raffle, and yeah. not necessarily
0: refrigerated. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, mate, you've been Thank fantastic you very much, Sean, company sorry for talking your heads Fantastic, off. fantastic. Uh, it's, it's really great, great to have game, you here, and we really appreciate your time. And obviously, the passion's still there. That's it's you, you, got a short fuse, Alan, and when it when it goes off, it goes off big bang, doesn't it? Uh, anyway, Russell, it's time for you to do your thing. Right. Uh, We're well,
1: we gonna pick up our ass, pick up our glass, stop your talking, and start you walking. You don't
0: have to go home. Can't stay here. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next time.
1: Thank you, boys. Cheerio.
0: It's great to hear the passion that stays with people for our footy club. Alan is a man who has had an involvement in the club for 57 years, which when you think about it, is more than half of the lifetime of the club, yet he is still emotional about his place in the club, grateful for the opportunities the club has offered him, and for the many friendships he has built over many years, and he has a real appreciation for the place of the football club in our community. We're so very grateful to Alan for his time and his recollections of his time at the footy club. Thanks again to the Beach House, whose fabulous fare you could hear us feasting on during that episode. We are eternally thankful for their ongoing support. Until next time, thank you for listening to The Trail the
1: Thank you very much gentlemen and time has called and we must piss off.